0: There's an element of whataboutism that can creep into stuff like that. that We can can improve practice by changing this threshold. Yes, but if everyone did better practice according to the following parameters in the first place, which is everyone agrees is a problem, or that everyone who's looked at it for more than 45 seconds in the middle of the night agrees is the center of the problem far more than this is, does that immediately make this relatively easy matter of... Changing how, changing how things are described in text and how their acceptability is formed in the first place. Does that make this not worth doing?
1: Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. Now, James, let me throw you a hypothetical. Now, would it be fair to say that with most of your experiments, you're going for an effect size of about 0.05 or a medium effect size? Um, yes.
0: I, well, there- that's not That's not some kind of space age barrier of the future it's more you know physiological effects are what they are we measure them because we know where to look for them in the first place yeah that's reasonable enough in fact look for most things you know i've told you this before the upper bound and an effect i had to study once which was uh looking for cardiac osmopressor effects and the top condition the effect size was 1.4
1: physiology gets some big effects sometimes
0: uh, it's because you have a very strong reason to expect what you're actually going to observe. A lot of the time, you're modifying an existing effect that you're looking for. A lot of it's not prospective in terms of throw A at B and see if they, well, get on well. Hmm. It's, it's cooked into the nature of how the investigation works. So, yes, there's my securitist answer <laughs> to your shit question. Okay. What about it?
1: All right. So, so we have, you know, you, you're searching for an effect size of, of 0.5. Um, typically using a 0.05 p-value threshold. And because you're a sensible scientist, you do a within- Me or
0: this is a hypothetical?
1: (laughs) I I don't know. But because usually, at least in in this perspective, you're a sensible scientist, you do a within-subjects design. And so to achieve 80% power, you would actually need 34 participants, which is typically the sort of sample size that you would get. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Um, I would use a much stronger within-subjects design than that so I don't have to meet more people. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> that, that,
1: that, that, that's a different discussion. But, but what, okay. you're,
0: what, you're, what you're saying is if, you're, if you measure the kind of effect that I and you and lots of other people need to measure, mm. um, if you're talking about a single within-subject observation...
1: Single observation, simple experiment. Okay,
0: I don't know if the if, if n equals thirty four is the right number, but um, well, it, it is. obviously. Is it? Yes. Oh, he, he, he you, yeah. This is a I good did, place to did have the video because you just th- did your definitive face. I did um, the G powers. He, okay, he did the G powers, and the yeah. internet, um, and the internets and the R's Look, that's a that that seems that seems reasonable. Um, every physiological effect has to be baselined. The vast majority of the time, we're not particularly interested in... I mean, between subject comparisons are great if I have 3,000 people. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, The vast majority of the time we're looking at... uh, We're measuring reactivity rather than we're measuring the overall levels of something. Mm. So, if you've got multiple uh, levels of the same experiment, especially as they relate to each other, say they're different drug doses or different respiratory cycle lengths or some shit like that, Um, we would... All the comparisons would be within subject comparisons. Mm. And we'd do as many as possible. Mm. But for a simple one... Okay. Again, I'm taking too long to answer your simple question. You probably (laughs) wanted some kind of incisive introduction where you got to make points, but uh, it's three minutes and 25 seconds now and I've wasted your time
1: completely. So, okay. So, thinking about this, then we would need 34 participants. But what what if I told you that for all your new experiments, for all the stuff that you're doing in the future that you would need to collect data from 64 participants instead because your new p-value threshold would need to be point zero zero five instead of 0.05. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want to know what I'd
0: personally do if I had to do that? What would you do? Because, well, look, this is... Uh, ob- obviously, the relationship to something like that will change with... Any any given field of endeavor has uh, different different rationales for exploring effects in the first place, and different sizes that uh, it's to see. If sometimes you 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 hope that an effect can limp through your shit parameters of observation, yeah, but sometimes you're measuring something that is extremely apparent and you have very strong reasons for it to be there, and it's uh, extremely observable. So. If you're saying, could I approximately double my sample sizes? Yeah, I could. Um, it'd be boring as shit, and it... but look, that's that would not be a surmountable barrier. I would try to control that more with in, with our work. I would try to control that more with experimental design, probably than stacking people like Cordwood until everyone in the entire world has has had probes on or up them so i for, that's not a personally insurmountable barrier to me mm. now uh would i feel differently if i was trying to populate an effect that needed a hundred people in the first instance uh from a practical perspective perhaps i would be irritated
1: what's your point young man well, I don't think this is uh, this is more than just a thought experiment because a, a new paper has just uh, come out online which is titled uh, Redefining Statistical Redefine Statistical Significance and in this paper there are 72 co-authors that propose the threshold for statistical significance for new effects should be moved from 0.05 to 0.005. And there's a lot of big names in this paper, uh, including a few noted uh, Bayesian experts and also uh, former guest Andy Field as well. So it's uh, caused a bit of a splash online on Twitter and on Facebook. So I thought we'd um, discuss that today, this, uh, this new paper.
0: Yes. Now, this is, a, this is a fun and interesting format where Daniel has read a paper and I have not
1: <laughs> Not even a name so almost. i'm
0: going to i'm going to i'm going out on a limb here a lot of people who uh have read this paper will end up listening to this podcast some of the authors and primary critics of this paper will invariably end up listening to this podcast so i am at risk here of making myself the south end of a northbound horse <laughs> Let's see. And quite frankly, it feels comfortable.
1: Let's see what it us. So, I think for, for, for any listeners who may not have actually may not have read the paper or um, or unaware of it, the basic gist of the author's argument is that the uh, threshold should be shifted because the current 0.05 threshold uh, is resulting in a high rate of false positives. Now, that's that's pretty reasonable, and um, by actually in, um, increasing the threshold to 0.005, this would improve uh, reproducibility as people wouldn't be chasing after these effects which have previously been reported as, say, 0.04. So instead of um, effects under 0.05 being called uh, significant, now the authors propose that these effects should now be called uh, suggestive. Yeah, suggestive effects. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you're at a bar. (laughs) Effects that say...
0: These are my etchings <laughs> Would you like to come upstairs And see my controversial artwork Young lady I am a suggestive effect
1: <laughs> Now to the, uh, to the author's credit They, uh, they recognise that there are other ways That are probably better And more effective ways To, imp- to improve reproducibility but, uh, there's, but there's probably we... not
0: an easier way. I think I'm going to presuppose what you're saying because listening to your voice is hurting my brain. Um, <laughs> certainly, if you could click your fingers and change a basic parameter of how people do experimentation in the first place, surely that is that represents. If it's going to be a change in practice, changes in practice are very difficult. Saying uh, the numbers, the numbers that we require. For you to use this associated language should be XYZ it is extremely simple
1: mm. yeah and, and that's what they argue that they know that this isn't the best but that this is actually the, the simplest um, a- approach to actually improving reproducibility and they, they do provide some reasoning as to how they landed on this uh, .005 number uh, firstly they suggest or they show that this, uh, this threshold actually corresponds with a base factor of about 20, uh, I think it's important to note that people have actually criticized this approach, but let's, let's continue anyway. Now, the, the, the good thing is that, um, well, the peculiar thing is that they use this 20 threshold because it corresponds with what people have um, uh, given these arbitrary thresholds of substantial and strong. It's kind of funny that we're actually relying on arbitrary thresholds in order to move another arbitrary threshold, but that's a different story. But when well, you're looking at a- it-
0: changing, You're changing the association between it's not it's saying that you it doesn't feel like you could say let me let me start that from the beginning and use the English language rather than a series <laughs> of mid-morning gibberish bits what we what we're doing is not changing the nature of investigation you're changing the way that language and consideration maps onto calculation hmm. so it's attacking the idea that significance is an absolute point within a calculatory environment is it All right. it's it's just moving the goalposts yes but if you move you're moving the goalposts with relationship to does, does it does it say at any point in time i'm sure it doesn't say this that if you turn up with a point 01 effect you can't publish your observations it's surely saying that if you if you come up with a, a value that doesn't meet the ability to describe said point in language
1: mm. yeah yeah so right. I, do you yeah. see what i'm saying so yeah. the,
0: the the change really is semantic is it fair to say that
1: yeah but it, it, it's semantic but it's based on this idea that these effects at around 0.005 uh correspond to a base factor of 20 and the thing about the base factor of how 20... strong
0: is the correspondence is that there was some there's been quite a few papers on that haven't there
1: yeah, it, it's pretty strong. And basically, a base factor of 20 in plain language means that the um, the alternative hypothesis is 20 times more likely than the null hypothesis. And that, that sounds pretty good to me because currently speaking, when you're looking at the threshold of 0.05, that really only corresponds to a base factor of 3. So that the alternative hypothesis is only 3 times more likely than null, which is pretty shaky when you think about it. But as soon as you're moving to a threshold of 0.005, which loosely corresponds to a base factor of 20 and you're saying that you're, that um, the alternative hypothesis is 20 times more likely, that actually sounds a, um, a lot better okay yeah and that's, that's sort of one justification for why this particular um, uh, threshold was used, but the primary one is this idea that you're going to be um, reducing um, type 1 error which is, uh, which is pretty important Is it? Well, I mean, they suggest that actually changing it will actually reduce false positives to only 5%, which is uh, obviously...
0: So, okay, I I can predict one of the primary objections to this. It will change false positives according to the procedure of taking an effect and beating it half to death to try and make it stronger through the use of multiple analyses. Yeah. <clears throat> Basically, Dan, if I've got something that doesn't work, and you know, you know this because I've, 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 I've written fun demonstrations of this before and showed, showed you the outcomes. If we have a fun effect that doesn't exist, with appropriate battering, we can find more or less anything we want. Is this a vehicle to simply change the analytical pathway to add... More flexibility and less honesty in order to achieve our new fantastic threshold. Hmm.
1: Well, I mean, it's certainly gonna. It's just gonna make. Yeah, that's a
0: question. It's not a hypothetical. Yeah. You don't have to sit there looking like a freshly landed fish. Is that something that people have been talking about?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so people have been saying, well. You know, if if you look, um, I, I just saw a tweet earlier from uh, from Robin Cock, one of our one of our old guests, and he basically said, "Well, if if you look one at one of our
0: ugliest listeners,
1: <laughs> hello, Robin, uh, that
0: we... <laughs> also also our first guest and a wonderful human being." <laughs> yes, he's he, not that uh, ugly. I made that up.
1: He he, he mentioned that um, you know, if you look at neuroscience, we currently have uh, there there is a lot of p values at point zero zero one. Uh, so when you have when you when in, when you're in an area which has a lot of researcher degrees of freedom or a lot of potential forking paths when it comes to analyses, naturally, you're going to get these things. So, there are certain types of research where it's actually going to become a lot easier. So, we currently have p-hacking, but will increasing the threshold just increase the the sort of p-hacking that we have? The authors argue, well, okay, we know there's p-hacking, but doing this will make it harder to p-hack. But then I I think people Hmm. are just going to try harder to p-hack instead.
0: Um if you combine it with any sense of like if this, this let, let me let me put it this way um if you have a pre-registered effect and this
1: rule in place would you trust the research that came out of that well that's been one of the main arguments is that people have said well this new threshold is actually a little bit too harsh so some people have Come to a yes compromise. for what though too
0: harsh for what look this is a, it, it, this, our okay. observations range between sociologists beating their heads against people and recording their head impact indices on a scale of one to whatever through to things with lasers Daniel.
1: Then adopting this new threshold will actually bring us back to the one to four type 1 to type 2 error balance in which we consider type 1 errors four times more serious than type 2 errors. So you're telling me two things that are different are indeed different. Yes. Now, okay. w- w- what people have been suggesting is that... Well beha- said, Aristothenes <laughs> That perhaps what we should do is that for any exploratory research, we should actually yes. continue with this new threshold. But any pre-registered research or registered report research, you're actually fine to continue with 0.05 because for that research, we're happy with the type 1 and type 2 errors or what what we actually have now whereas the type 2 error um would just you, you'd be changing it way too much if you're actually um for 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 a pre-registered study and you may be actually missing any true effects
0: hmm okay here's a here's a question for you um are there fields within the social sciences in your estimation where you fucking never see a p value that is that size to begin with
1: uh yeah OK I mean, well that well, well they're out um. gone Let's clo- close labs and close uh,
0: departments in well for, it's- so, for some of them that might not be a that might not be a terrible idea but let's not get into my massive weeping prejudices about shit psychological research um, this is uh, I, I, I wonder how much of this is colored by... The perspectives of the people I, I i imagine that from a practical perspective people must go through the act of performing science or psychology which is occasionally a close facsimile of it and writing research papers which are then published if you drastically interfere with people's
1: ability to do that what
0: happens to the people
1: they change or they go well, that's
0: very scorched earth, but um, it could be potentially <laughs> hilarious. The point, simply, look, I, the it's it's hard to it's hard to fully articulate all the things that would happen around this particular idea, and I'm not immediately concerned with. I, I'm hesitant to try and make statistical-based pronouncements because. Other people are experts at that, and then will write to me in strident tones. What I'm thinking about is what it means for practice, and it's it's indicative that neither of us are particularly bothered by it. If you if you it, it and, and that really depends on the nature of what you measure in the first place. You know, whether or not would this interfere with my ability and a human level to do my job? The answer is no. We'd probably be more careful. Um, but if I have a massive within-subjects design or I'm observing people for multiple, multiple hours looking for different burst effects or, you know, you're doing some... If, you're anal- if you do like a, a phase analysis between two physiological signals is something I was working on the other day, hmm. for a single person... If, we, if we're collecting observations, we have 400 individual observations of, of where... What's the, what's the phase angle between these two signals? We have 400, 400 individual observations to make a single representation for a single person. So, oh, this is... You know, the way that you report this... Basically, all you're telling me is the language that you report this needs to change. That's not so bad. You know? It's, mm. just a, it's just a it's a, it's, it's a matter of how you present what you have found mm. but for other, other people would see this as destructive now is this a weakness of what they study is it the, the fact simply that we do not know enough in the first instance for them to form ideas that are reliable enough to discuss or is it a step too far the answer is I don't know because I don't do those things and I don't know whether or not the people who would make an argument one way or the other can be trusted. They might be idiots. Alternatively, they might know much more about what they do than we ever will.
1: Look, I think there's two important perspectives here that people are really focusing on this idea of, oh, but we have to increase sample size when people are ignoring, well, why don't you just increase your precision? Right. Uh, no, that, so seems,
0: th- that seems reasonable enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a few ways you can do that, but um, most of the discussions have been okay, but this is actually going to favor more of these super labs who already have access to these large sample sizes or, or have the funding mm. or are likely to win funding to be able to get the larger sample sizes that are that, that right or uh,
0: people people who have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of places that do um, child uh, developmental research or aging research or research on a specific population with a medical condition large well-funded labs typically have much better access than many other people who'd like to study the same effects. So if you're a, a large lab working on aging and you have a nice register of five or 600 people over the age of 70 who you can call up and get to participate in your experiments, the idea of run more people is a minor inconvenience. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what PhD students are for. Go bang your head against that wall, proud minstrel, etc., etc. But if you don't have the resources to access the amount of people required to get you whatever hypothetical power is required Captain G power you can calculate all that in your own time if you don't have enough resources to do that then what they're proposing essentially is that you conduct experiments that you're not capable of doing that you don't really have the facility to access
1: Mm.
0: now I wonder how many of these authors are from that environment good
1: question I don't know
0: because look, you come you come across an there's there's an aspirational perspective that a lot of small labs take. I, I, I feel they're they're looking for one individual special thing within an area, and they're, they're hoping they can make a very strong observation which they can use to turn into interest and money and publication and etc. They would probably see this as. Something that would interfere with something that would interfere with their ability to do their jobs. It's not a practical barrier to us. It's a practical barrier to them. It's like an existential barrier. I hope I've used that word correctly. I'd say it's early, but I am. I've weeks of cooked in fatigue right now, and um, sometimes I forget my name or which of my feet is left. So, look, I. Don't feel like we can spread out the full implications of something like this. I'll tell you one thing it does that I really like, though. You you grow up in the scientific tradition hearing, A, report this threshold with this thing. It is where meaning begins. And then you go to the subsequent class in whatever course you're in, where you're immediately told, this threshold is an arbitrary sack of bullshit. And uh, Naaman and Pearson wrote about how it was goofy in the 20s and how it should be informed by circumstance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we have a scientific tradition of using it and a parallel scientific tradition of saying that it's a sack of shit. Now, one of the ways to reconcile these things is to make it look arbitrary by moving it around. Okay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it can't it can't be sacrosanct now. If people if we're having large scale proposals from dozens of researchers, who are all extremely intelligent, thoughtful people, I don't think anyone's going. Oh, you bung my paper on that for a laugh? Yeah, I'll, I'll have a go myself. That'll be fine. 0.005, no worries, chap. I don't think there's there's no tag along authors. This isn't something done in a hospital where there's twelve MDs. Like, I recruited one of those patients. Put me on the paper. <laughs> This is a very thoughtful proposal from people who are listened to, and that is maybe that's a necessary component of trying to make the arbitrary thing look arbitrary.
1: That's changing I around of, actually,
0: change, changing around where it exists in the first place. Well, this is what you get when you make me do this on the fly, Daniel. <laughs> well, I, I've I think, been um, reveling in the last few days that I don't have time to catch up with all of this stuff. So we really, we thought basically,
1: if I'm an idiot today, all of this is terrible. But then if you're saying something sensible, it's uh, it's amazing. <laughs> so your
0: your reliance on the success of our podcast is me saying something sensible. Well, we're fucked. Um, one one, one,
1: one what, can hope. One can hope.
0: <laughs> one can only hope. And look at your hopeful little face. Did you know you have good teeth?
1: I don't think I do, but it, it, it's the, no, it's the light. That that comes from this uh from this lamp and the and the thing here it's they're, they're not that good they're average mm. very average okay
0: all right so uh, if we we have a we have a summary for this section it's a this is this is a proposal with a number of different practical aspects that are really difficult to sum up and I imagine that there's very strong support and discord within a number of quarters and you have good teeth we'll be back soon. Welcome back to Everything Hurts, a garden of weeds and rocks at the edge of a community slowly dying as we hurtle through unforgiving space towards a pitiless sun. I'm James Heathers and I'm here with my co-host Daniel Quintana. Daniel Santiago Quintana, what do you have to say to all the nice people who listen to our podocastery?
1: I, I want to say thanks to everyone that's been showing uh, support for the show. We'll be getting a few emails as well. People just uh, Would you like line. to send them hugs? Well, I, I don't know if they want to have their names public, but uh, Oh. But I still wanna send them hugs. You you know you know who you are. Thanks for sending you know, us those emails. You know and, who you
0: are, you yeah. supporters.
1: And uh, people have been uh, sharing links uh, for our show online, on Twitter, Yeah, we actually Facebook. the
0: last fortnight, as much as I've been paying very little attention because I've been on leave, uh, shit's been coming out of the woodwork. Um, that's always nice. It's always nice to know that we are not space donkeys. Well, at least I'm not. Um, which reduces... I mean, if you're even slightly less than one space donkey, it makes the median... Never am- <laughs> Never mind into the weeds. never mind <laughs> see these are the weeds and rocks man they're coming out they're falling through a tear in the fabric of reality and
1: ruining the airwaves which aren't really airwaves the the the, zero, the dots and zeros the electrons D- digital things but thank what you What should for... we
0: do with our remaining electrons oh you're going to still you go on, keep thanking people go yeah,
1: on yeah we um keep keep sending your your ideas your episode ideas we've got a, a, a a lot of people sending us ideas of, of who we should actually hop on and get on the show next. So we, we like yes. that.
0: And we have a few topics we haven't done.
1: Um, yeah.
0: I don't know. I hope you're keeping a list because I'm not. Um, <laughs> I just wait it's to the- be
1: reminded and that, yeah, because, you know, that's what you get for being ad hoc. How good is being ad hoc? Ad, ad hoc is great. Uh, speak, speaking of ad hoc things, we are talking about a paper that James hasn't read today. We, <laughs> <laughs> the it,
0: sensible discussion of uh, also uh, a paper that I haven't read, where the authors may well hear the podcast. Yeah, send, send us your critiques. But this, this is, is that, this is a deliberate decision, but uh, one one that is fraught.
1: Well, the good thing about this paper is that it's quite short. If you uh, if you want to go read it yourself. But it, the implications... How about um,
0: one of the good things about this paper? <laughs> the best thing about this paper is it's quite short. There's a piece from Black Books early on where he, Bernard Black is selling someone a book and he goes, uh, okay, "That's a enjoy. It's terrible, but it's quite short. Uh,
1: we'll get through it quickly.
0: That's not very nice, Daniel. Yeah, no, anyway, sorry, is, focus. It,
1: it was a... Not yeah, just it, a car. It has been causing a bit of a stir online because of the uh, the implications. Well, one of the main implications is that this would uh, increase the need for greater sample sizes in order to actually still have 80% statistical power uh, or simply increase precision. But both of those things mean more resources. Now, when I first came across this, my first feeling was this is nuts uh i do a lot of my research with uh, very specific populations there aren't that many people with that many healthy or physically healthy adults who are male who are aged between 20 and 25 who happen to have an autism diagnosis who want to come in and do my autism trial so even that's also
0: a subset of people who have autism because they have to come in and then what do you do to them when they're
1: inside Exactly, they do, they do the tests, they do the nasal sprays. So, my first reaction was, yeah, this is, this is crazy. But then, when I actually read some of the arguments for, well, particularly within the paper, but also people that were supporting this, I, I came around a little bit more because really the overall gist or the, the overall thing behind this paper is to improve reproducibility, and that's something that we all want. Uh, but when you actually take a closer look, at um at what these things are. So if we take the perspective of well, okay, we can actually go with the current threshold of 0.05 as long as you're doing a registered report or a pre-registered study. That seems to be the way that or you're are...
0: or you're describing it as vaguely positive rather than I have
1: achieved mystical special pants. Exactly. Then then you're in the clear. But then again, my worry is well people Science isn't known for nuance when it comes to actually policing these, these thresholds. So, if all of a sudden 0.05 becomes the new thing, for all these fancy journals, that's that for the, for the editors, for the reviewers, that is going to become the new thing. If you kind of say, well, yeah, you know, we, we are between 0.005 and 0.05, but this is suggestive. They're not going to be interested in suggestive. They're still going to be interested in this new threshold. So, it doesn't really matter whether your study is pre-registered. Whether for your particular study, you are satisfied with the current risk of error. All that matters is that you've actually reached this threshold. That for me is still my... Do you, slight... think,
0: do you really think that that's going to happen if we're having a more nuanced discussion about this in the first instance and someone who works at a journal who thinks very hard about how their policy should be implemented takes this on? Do you really think it's going to continue to be that arbitrary? I don't know, but, but, but that, that sort of... I don't of... know if I agree with you. Okay, and I retract all previous nice remarks about your teeth. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's 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 going to add a layer of complication that people are going to be forced to consider. At which point in time they're going to go immediately back to the kind of oversights of before? Mm. I
1: don't know if that's strictly fair. Well. The, the other thing that people have been saying um, uh, one, one particular um, uh, vocal critic against it has been our former guest Daniel Larkins hello Daniel I'm, I'm pretty sure you'd listening to this as well is that well we need to actually go back to teaching people proper statistical inference that if we actually if people actually properly understood this then we wouldn't be in this mess in the first place which I completely agree with and that if we if we actually did this if people actually understood what they were doing and had you know the the, the, the right tools for the right job, then we would be doing a. Um, we wouldn't be uh, in this particular mess to begin with. But doing that, practically speaking, I don't know how that how that's actually going to work. In an ideal world, it would be great. Okay, so yeah, here's, here's a.
0: It's a. I, I forget the formal name for this, but I've I've never been much of a fan of uh, the argument of, well, A is a positive proposal. Well, we should be doing B. B is infinitely more important and would solve the problem much better. Does that mean we shouldn't do A? Do we lack the bandwidth to do both? You know? There's an mm. element of whataboutism that can creep into stuff like that. We can, we can improve practice by changing this threshold. Yes, but if everyone did better practice according to the following parameters in the first place, which is everyone agrees is a problem, or is that everyone who's looked at it for more than 45 seconds in the middle of the night agrees is the center of the problem far more than this is, does that immediately make this relatively easy matter of... Changing how changing how things are described in text and how their acceptability is formed in the first place. Does that make this not worth doing? Hmm. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's like say you're say you're say you're building a house and what you really need is for someone to bring all the bricks so you can put the walls up. And someone delivers just the roof beams. You don't go, take those fucking roof beams away, you fool. We don't need those for weeks. What do you think you're doing? What we really need right now is a heap of bricks to build up a pair of walls. Ha ha. Um, I hope that analogy holds. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you see? Do you see? Do you see, yeah, do you see what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like the, yeah. the fact that there's stuff that could be more urgent or more useful or more important does not negate the fact that something else may be a good in and of itself. Or am I I misrepresenting an argument I technically haven't heard yet?
1: uh, Yeah, I mean, people have been saying that, going, well, okay, we know this isn't the best thing, but this thing is better than the current situation, which we have, which is not many people adopting uh, registered reports or not many people actually adopting um, or having a good idea of statistical inference. Doing this Mm. is the most parsimonious way of actually improving reproducibility, which, let's remember, this is the goal. How do we improve re- reproducibility? Okay, the simplest thing is that the do... state
0: is that the stated goal of all of this. How do we produce? How do we produce more reproducible research? Yes, right. Mm.
1: And the thing is, like, okay, let's put it this way: if this becomes reality, if this is instituted, instituted tomorrow, would this improve re- reproducibility? The answer is yes. All things equal, doing this would improve reproducibility. And considering that, okay, let, let, let's assume that most studies are slightly p-hacked okay so if, we're, if we assume that many studies are p-hacked or most studies are p-hacked people are making the argument going okay well if we actually assume most studies are a little bit p-hacked or there's misrepresentations then adopting this new threshold will actually bring us back to the one to four type one to type two error balance in which we consider type one errors four times more serious than type two errors well so basically,
0: basically this is this is a little bit like the Italian tax system.
1: I'm not familiar with the tax system, but go on.
0: Or is it the Greek tax system? I can't remember. This is this is very interesting. It's, uh, it's, oh, it's, somewhere, it's somewhere around the Mediterranean and because my brain is a wasteland, um, I've forgotten exactly where it is. It's it's the fact that you're you're you, you keep your reported income very low so you don't have to pay a lot of tax. The problem is if you need a loan from a bank, you never have any ability to say <laughs> I have the income capable of repaying the loan. I mean, you might have a lot of money under the table, but you don't have the reported income to be able to take the loan. So there is a commonly agreed upon set of thresholds slash tab because everyone is fiddling their tax. There is a, a commonly agreed upon kind of metric. By which your legal "quote unquote" fancy air quotes income is turned into okay. How much money does Dan actually have? Yeah, that, that what you're the- saying is if it's if it's always if it's always it might be. I think it's I think this is what happens in Greece. I seriously can't remember. Um, apologies to members of a- any of these fine cultures if I'm <laughs> slandering your tax system unnecessarily. However. It's basically a kluge. Otherwise, no, no, no bank would give away any any loan to anyone to start with. You know? Mm-hmm. I make $60,000 a year, but I report $15,000 a year. The bank says, how much, how much money do you make? And you go, uh, $15,000. They can't go, well, no one ever gets a loan, ever.
1: Yeah. And, so and the-
0: there, is, there is an unofficial mapping between the reported figure, which is wrong, and yeah. the actual figure that they they know what money that you've got, and very soon this becomes an actual process.
1: And th- this is what people are proposing that you currently the, the current the current balance, um, all things equal between type one and type two errors is one to four. New thresholds brings it to one to forty, but considering there's some research degrees of freedom that if you're actually doing that, then it's bringing it back again. To, to one point to, to, one, to a one to four ratio. However, if you're doing your research honestly, and I say honestly with air quotes as in registered reports, et cetera, then... You have
0: to do the air quotes so I can see them. The, the, if Thank you're doing you. your research
1: honest honestly there and pre-registering it and doing all that kind of stuff, then you're actually fine to go with the one to four ratio, which is kind of what people are generally satisfied with so that which is which is, is, yeah,
0: which is the, the the assumption you know more honored in the breach than the observance in the first instance right
1: yeah yeah
0: okay uh, hmm.
1: so I think you know so as long as reviewers and editors can recognize the difference between a because um, I, I would always trust always always trust a pre-registered registered report study at 0.03 versus a non registered study at 0.001 any time of the day. But I think it's important for uh, mm. reviewers, for readers and for editors to also recognize this. I'm sure many do, but I just get the impression mm-hmm. that not, not as many would. And they'll see this going, oh, well, you only got point oh three, but you can go, yeah, but but look, you know, two years ago, I, I put on a website, I was going to predict these things and do all these analyses and, and this is what happened. And then, you, you know, so if, if you, I think... People just need to recognize that different types of research have different needs.
0: Hmm. Different types of research have different needs.
1: Well, it's, ob- it's obvious. Well,
0: let's, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. This is the, there's, there's the the socialisms in the environment around you, obviously soaking <laughs> in through your skin. It's been three years now. Rem- remarkably proficient Norwegian language skills, which you took it upon yourself to prove to the world recently.
1: Yeah, it's getting there. And then someone
0: asked you a question in Norwegian, and you didn't know what it meant, so I can't. That assume those happens. tests are very good.
1: Let's let's let's
0: consider this, for instance. Who's who's not at all? Who, who regards this as a minor imposition? There's going to be areas of investigation where this has absolutely no. So, oh, really? Okay, fair enough. What are
1: they? Well, people that are already collecting um, huge types of samples. So, for instance, all your or your M Turk type studies. Okay. Psychophysics. No. Ah oh, yeah, huge. Well, wow. no because their effects are already huge. Right? Uh, um, so they mean so may, they they may need to go from pre-participants to biologic,
0: six. Anything biological that's not done by sweat donkeys.
1: Uh yeah, cl- clinical stuff. But then again, mm-hmm. if as long as we go by, as long as we go to the pre-registered route and pre-registered stuff doesn't need the new thresholds, then nothing changes.
0: Okay. Well, the the, the the knock-on effect of well, pre-registration will solve all their problems, and buy me in particular a box of chocolates. How well does that work with clinical trials and outcomes changing? Uh, the answer is not amazingly.
1: No, and I mean I, I probably see very often on Twitter someone go they they put a link and they say paper link pre-registration link, and then um you know thinking emoji, and you can just just by looking at the two things you can see well. Wow there's a bit of a outcome switching going on here
0: yep what do what do if you if you send me one of those and go oh james look at the scary thing all the people in the uh, are going to uh, with the, uh, and there is a clinical trial registration number i don't even bother reading any for you just highlight right click google this thing right now find the clinical trial registration what are the really important outcomes There's one the other day on, there's one the other day on, it's registered, uh, I think 2011 or something, they started collection. It took them three years. They got all these people in who are pre-diabetic. They were interested in, they were interested in A1C, they were interested in insulin, they were uh, interested in the glucose tolerance, and they were a bit interested in all the associated markers with that. It did not mention blood glucose. Right? The actual physical amount of glucose in the blood at any given point in time. Which is not 100% fantastic, which is why we have all these other measures in the first place. Because glucose tolerance is not one monolithic thing determined by, is there a glucose? Yeah? The whole paper was framed around, look, we found a difference in glucose. (laughs) So, you would sincerely hope that pre-registration was going to work better than that.
1: Yeah, well, that thing is it doesn't. And I quite often that's the first thing I do when I get a paper which is pre-registered. I check against those things. Um, Two thirds are pretty good, and at least one third uh, are doing a poor job. Um, so reviewers a well, poor
0: job at that point in time. It's it's not just it's not just we've done a bad paper. It's it's deliberately dishonest. At that point uh, in time,
1: you're actually you're
0: actually misrepresenting something that you have previously outlined that you would represent.
1: Yeah, and I, and I always raise it with the, um, with the editor and the, and the reviewer. But it seems that um, because registered reports and the paper that comes of it are so closely linked, you, right. you, can't, get, you, you can't get away with that. With, Especially with
0: that. if it, uh, some journals, when you have the registered report format within the journal itself, I think it's far more likely that it will be held to closely correspond with whatever you're eventually sent. Yeah. Not five years ago on the clinical trial register We said it was going to work with mm-hmm. Yeah But in a matter of In six months we're going to have this research done We're sending the registered report to This specific journal mm. And You know we, we agree to do it like this And that's the end of the story Especially Good. considering the fact that uh, I think you're far more likely to publish A negative registered report than any other form Of negative result
1: absolutely you, 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 like they're far more well
0: received yeah of course So, you're like, also in terms of like we think we have a good idea we tried to do something maximally honest you've agreed to publish the outcome the outcome says we are not observing an effect that is as interesting as we previously thought hmm. don't qualify the word interesting or I'll run to Norway and poke you <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it would... Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I've spent an awful lot of time railing against... Oh, for fuck's sake. Really? Oh, we've you've climbed over your little barrier. Well done with your significance. That's amazing. Have a packet of pretzels and go home. Aren't you a special petal? And then... A solution exists for modifying that, at least to some degree... And we're all consumed with anxiety over what it actually means. It'd be fun. If you remember, who, who was
1: that journal
0: who tried like, the different format of reporting
1: p-values? The, the one that threw it out completely? Yes. yeah, I don't remember. Um, but, Didn't uh, they, but there's someone
0: someone who did this, and they go, Oh, no, I have to report it this way. And then they backtracked on it completely, going, Ah, oh, it's essentially the same thing, and it was a stupid idea. Never mind. Um... So look, you have the you have the facility to change it back. Wouldn't it? I think it would be tremendous fun if there was a journal that attempted to do this approach? Then at, at least, you know, in future, perhaps after these things are, are replicated elsewhere to see what what actually becomes of the the results. Do they generate more results? Are they more collectively interesting? Do they have more fidelity over time as observations? I think it would be marvellous if at least one outlet fully committed to something like this. I'd
1: say someone's there's, going look, to throw the hat in the there's, ring.
0: There's, wait, look, we're, we're talking, we've just spent 45 minutes on a series of different ways to qualify this at a number of different angles. And we've probably not even begin begun... What, what tense? Begun. begun. We've probably not even begun... I'm getting Winston Churchill here. Um, <laughs> on... Uncovering all the arguments that have been made about this. Yeah? And the individual perspectives that people will take because we only have ours. So I wonder if there's I wonder if there's one place somewhere that would consider just throwing down on it. That's just a good idea. Take it to the editorial board, talk to all your senior editors, talk to your associate editors that you trust, etc etc. And then actually have a go. I wonder what would be a good target for that? If there's any editors listening which there probably aren't um <laughs> yeah have a I mean, the, the, the vast majority of the time you the, things like this no matter how well thought out they are always have unintended consequences and they can be good or bad it would at least continue the discussion i would say you you wouldn't be on the side of let's not do this at all anywhere. this is this is a ridiculous idea But Your original response was, no, you can't possibly do that. And you even had that tone of voice.
1: (laughs) I was incredulous. No, I mean, the first thing I thought was, how is this going to actually work practically, considering the type of samples that I do in some of my research? Some of my research has large samples, and it's not going to be a problem, because we have access to a fantastic uh, large data set. But my clinical research, on the other hand, it's going to be um, quite difficult. But, Mm -hmm. um, yeah... But I think, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a journal somewhere that's, um, that's, that's going to give it a go.
0: I'd be really interested, especially if it's in an area where you accept the fact that you are measuring messy human capacities, you know, and there aren't biological amplifiers involved. We are laser-free at this point. Um, hmm. If there's a, a, a journal that primarily took self-reported data... I mean, like where the vast majority of dependent measures are, you know, yeah, but something we, we, something where we accept the fact that there are there are a long series of qualifications about whether or not the measurement represents something interesting in the first place. I wonder if there's a journal that does that. That would have I'm, a crack.
1: I'm sure there is, but uh, people, you only start collecting three sample sizes of like 600 because when you're dealing with such uh, small effects, which you, which you tend to get with this sort of questionnaire-based research. Then uh, correspondingly, you're going to need these uh, these enormous uh, enormous sample sizes in order to actually reach the uh, the appropriate threshold. But I think well, is other- it
0: entirely is it possible at all that this also then necessarily entails a move towards collecting massive samples as a separate scientific good to doing investigations.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, it's going to happen. Say we, like, gonna... I was
0: talking about old, say I was talking about old people before. Say we 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 do something that's a sort of n scale, asking people about mood or emotion or suicidality or toenail habits or whatever, and we have an enormous database of these things. Different measures that are supposed to aggregate answers within these capacities, and then analyses themselves are pre-registered and pre-considered within the pre-existing data set that is adequately powered to address a the threshold b every other parameter that we consider when we do this so do you think that this proposal necessarily involves a move towards that because we already have that look biosignal analysis we already have that shit you know, I, some, some things are just basically data ATMs And people get something No, seriously, if, look, if you want to do a study of signals you First you need to aggregate a lot of signals And if you have something that's reasonably rare Sometimes there are really good resources for going out and saying I need, you know, we have this very large project uh, I have access to the data and thereby I can do my investigation but it's it happens with genetic info. It happens to some degree with fMRI stuff. Is that a, is that a like a field wide model of doing work that would it's, go hand in hand with the increased threshold?
1: Absolutely, and it's happening a lot um, with fMRI stuff. In that, um, in order to actually, because there are so many potential research degrees of freedom when it comes to MRI analysis. Um, a lot of labs are sticking together you have the Enigma consortia or consortium where you're getting about 30-40 different labs are actually contributing maybe about 100-200 samples each so you got sample sizes of about 6,000 such a good name Enigma
0: yeah right yeah yeah uh, that's great.
1: This, I can't remember how tortured the acronym I love a good tortured acronym, but um, I can't remember what it memory it's, From memory, it's pretty good. But this uh, database is actually working really well, and they're getting a lot of really interesting outcomes. And now, in, in addition with that, you're adding some um, uh, genetic data as well. And, uh, of course, you're getting these uh, massive genetic databases, but because the, uh, the effect sizes are just tiny for genetic stuff, uh, accordingly, you need um, you need these massive um, massive uh, sample sizes, and, it, and it's happening. So I think this will start a lot of conversations. A lot of people need to realise that if they don't adapt, their labs will die. It's a bit dramatic, but um, in order to actually reach these sample sizes, people need to start um, either getting the resources to collect the stuff themselves, uh, or actually start working together with other labs. Um, but, I mean, at the same time, I, st- I still think this advantages the-, the superstar labs that already have the name that can actually collaborate with these other labs. Whereas small labs, when you go, oh, do you want to collaborate in this data? People are going to go, well, who are you? I haven't seen any of the work that you've done, um, which is a shame, but that's the reality of biomedical research at the moment.
0: Well, if there's a summary to all of that, I guess it means we're all doomed, don't we? We're, all,
1: we're all, Well,
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, pe- people... Just what do you bad- do you, look, look, bad, bad, bad practices. Becoming increasingly doomed, maybe yeah, that's a, we, a fairer way to... Oh, yeah.
1: That's a that's good a good uh, that's a good summary there. Let's uh, let's wrap it up for today. <laughs> uh, we're all doomed. Let's wrap we're it up know,
0: on that note of on doom. doom or on the let, doom us, of, let us cease discussion of this topic.
1: Uh, thanks for listening today. Any comments? Uh, I'm sure we've probably said something wrong. If we have, let us know.
0: <laughs> oh, it's all. It's almost look. This is um uh this 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 is not trivial this is a a large proposal to change something central about practice that involves a lot of people a tremendous amount of people who will have a variety of different perspectives and uh it's gonna be fun hearing them all i might actually start paying a little bit more attention to it I was on leave, incidentally, ago, I, I should qualify that now. I'm going to record an episode and <laughs> discussing the issues within a paper that I haven't read. Um, I have not been at work. Just so you know, I'm not all, you know, <laughs> I don't just, sort of, drink beer all day and ignore scientific practice. Please, please continue to love me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, let's go, son. Let's do it! Thanks for listening, and we will we'll be back for our fiftieth episode. I don't know what we're doing yet, Ooh. but it'll be a good one.
0: We're still we're yeah yeah that's it. promise 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 vague things. Daniel, that's okay. The fiftieth episode will undoubtedly be our single best effort to date. Someone in the street is continuously pushing Honking, their heart. Honking
1: to agree with us
0: Yes, that's a. Uh, it's the tram lines outside but uh in in my head that's people agreeing that our 50th episode <laughs> will be transcendent and mighty and will descend from the skies like the second coming of Yahweh See everyone bye-bye bye.